literally like I got chills. My body at first was like, I can't do that. I didn't go to fashion school or I can't do that. I didn't go to business school. I guess probably because of so much that I've been through in my life, I decided I'm not gonna look at this with like, I can't do that. I'm gonna be like, this is something that if I don't do this, I'm gonna regret it the rest of my life. I have to try this. I have to start my own clothing company. Hey everyone, I'm Yasmin Nori and you're listening to the Behind Her Empire podcast. I'm on a mission to showcase successful self-made women who share honest stories and lessons of what it really takes to create the life you want and build your own empire. I want to welcome this week's guest, Paige Adams-Geller, to our show today. Paige is the co-founder and creative director of Paige, a highly successful premium denim and lifestyle brand. Paige began her journey in Los Angeles, where she became one of the most well-known fit models in the industry. She found herself heavily involved in the design process to help create jeans that fit real women at a time when the industry was mostly driven by male designers. After rising above a few traumatic experiences, Paige found her voice and confidence, which eventually led her to create her own company in 2004. She wanted to fulfill a personal passion she had despite having no formal education in fashion or in business. She is considered a true pioneer for disrupting a billion dollar industry that was traditionally male dominated and went against everyone's skepticism to create a global brand that now has a cult following. Paige employs over 300 people from Los Angeles to London and is sold in over 80 countries. Paige has such an inspiring story and truly empowers others to find their voice, which has been a huge driver to both her personal and professional success. Welcome to the show, Paige. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Such an honor and congratulations to you for the show. We're so grateful to have you on our show and excited to walk through your incredible story today. I'd love to start with your origin story. You moved from LA to a small town of Wasilia, Alaska at a young age, which I'm sure was not the easiest transition for you. How was your childhood and life growing up in Alaska? It's so wild thinking about it because I was in Orange County, like down in in Cyprus, Orange County, until I was six. And then we moved to Alaska. And my life was very similar in a sense, in some ways, to what it's like during quarantine right now. Because I was living in a state that's isolated. Um, There weren't very many TV stations, though, at the time. So that's a little bit different. Like there were only like three major TV stations that you could watch. Um, lots of darkness in the wintertime. Uh, we didn't live near very many neighbors, so we were a little bit isolated there. Social distancing for sure, because there's not that many people around. Not a lot of kids to play with outside in the winters because it's so dark and cold. But, you know, at least we were going to school. But um, it is, I'm, I'm like grateful to have had a lot of those experiences growing up because. I never get bored. I'm not afraid to be alone. Um, I feel like it inspired a lot of, of what has made me successful through the years. I used to check out a ton of books on Fridays and read books all weekend and then dream of all of the places I wanted to go in this world and all of the things that I wanted to do and all the things I wanted to experiment. So I think it, 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 it chartered a lot of my creativity from a young age and imagination from a young age by having that type of, of quiet um, childhood. And then the summers were the exact opposite because it was light all day long and you could go outside and spend all day and then all day like playing outside and doing outdoor activities and and uh just being in in nature so that was pretty amazing yes what a beautiful upbringing it seems like you were very much into your academics but still had that imagination and creative side And it looks like at some point when you were younger, you started getting into pageants. Can you share more about what led you down that path? Yeah, that um, I really had a lot to do with my mom. My mom was the executive director of our local Miss Wasilla pageant and then became the executive director of Miss Alaska. Mm -hmm. And so I spent a lot of time around her going to the pageant events and um, my mom, in a sense, 
pushed it on me a little bit, if you will, but I think there was part of the excitement of the glamour and the clothes and the fashion. And um, I like to sing and I was always in musical theater in school and very attracted to, to that world. So I saw it as a way that I could actually pursue some of those dreams by getting on stage and singing and have a venue to perform. And um, I started competing in the like teenage pageants and, um, and then eventually um, became like Miss Teen Alaska and Alaska's Junior Miss and had some other titles. And then eventually it led me to when I moved to California to become Miss California. So the one thing I do want to say about that is I looked at it as a stepping stone for other parts of what I was really interested in. Um, whether it be modeling or fashion or singing and performing. And I felt that it felt like the small town girl's way of getting out of Alaska and having an opportunity to see other parts of the world, like a stepping stone to it all. So I feel like that's, that's what I was really attracted by with all of that. So I appreciate my mom for introducing me to it. Yeah, it seems like you always had this curiosity as a kid and you were very curious about what existed outside of the small town you were in. So you finished college at a pretty young age at 16 and you decided to move to New York to fulfill your dreams of modeling. What was the turning point for you to take such a massive leap when you were only 16? Wow, yeah, it was crazy. I, I actually had the opportunity to enter a modeling contest. It was called the, Inter I think it was IMTC, International Model, IMTA, International Model and Talent Search Association or something like that is what it was called. And it was held in Scottsdale, Arizona. And I flew down to Scottsdale, Arizona and competed in like different forms of modeling, runway modeling, commercial, acting and it was like this whole convention for all of that and they'd have agents from all around um, the US and I'm sure there were international agents too that were there to scout and I ended up um, winning my division in some areas and getting scouted to audition for like Star Search and that's like before American Idol so that ages me and then actually got asked to come out to New York and um, do some more testing and get signed with an agency in New York. So this happened um, when I was 16 and I ended up graduating. I was raised a grade and a half. So I ended up graduating in January of technically my senior year at the age of 16 and then had the chance to move to New York to explore that whole, that whole world. It was very scary. If you ask me what it was like, I, I felt like it was a culture shock. I'd never been to a big city like that before. I'd mm -hmm. only traveled to California and to some other European cities that were smaller. And I think it was eye-opening in so many levels, just a totally different world. It was exciting because it was definitely what I dreamt about, um, having an opportunity to, 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 to explore that whole world, but I do have to say that New York was, I almost kind of wish I had a chance to baby step before I got to New York, because it was yeah. like, whoa, it was just so many people and, and, and so intense, and, uh, but it was, it, was a, it was an interesting time in my life. It was very difficult too. I can't say that it was all positive and exciting. It was very difficult too, because of some of the things that were going on in the industry back then, and just some things that my, lack of experience around that type of industry. Like mm -hmm. I had some rude, rude awakening experiences, if you will, that were a little scary and unsettling. And you were being so young and you know, you're in these situations. How did you deal with it at the time? I feel like the, the best way that I knew how to experience the culture shock and the, me too experiences that were starting um, in that world and walking into situations that were extremely uncomfortable getting asked to undress in front of people and just like why are you so shy why you why can't you just strip down your clothes in front of me right now like why do you have to go into the bathroom and change your clothes and like these just uncomfortable situations in general um, I, I feel like I had a strong enough 
upbringing that I felt that I was able to say, I don't feel comfortable doing that. I'm not going to do that. That's not for me. And mm -hmm. if that's not okay with you, then I'm fine leaving. Um, a lot of times I would end up laughing it off and just getting uncomfortable and being like, oh, that's so funny that you think I need to do that. And pacifying it and trying to get out of the room and, and do it my way that I felt most comfortable in doing. But um, some of it started to, to really get to me. It's like, I feel like uh, as a, a, I was always very comfortable with my, with my brain and my mind, but not as comfortable being a commodity. And that was a whole you know, new experience in such a different way that um, it started eating at me and I felt like I was losing some control and that feeling of losing some self-control or some control over a situation, not self-control, losing the control in a situation that was uncomfortable to me spiraled me out a little bit more into what was starting to be an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. And being in that environment made me feel, I felt, felt like I kind of wanted to vanish and uh, the and have control over something and so the only thing I can control was by eating or not eating and so I started not eating and starving and um, I had a difficult time it, it was a clearly starting to become a, a, a bit damaging to my body mind and spirit in general and I wasn't sure if I wanted to stay in New York wow I can't even imagine you know, how difficult that was for you, especially just being so young and in such horrible situations. Thank you just for being so open about that. And listening to another interview that you've done, you've mentioned you've always have been very comfortable in your mind and in academics. So you really use that as your way out of New York and you decided to go back to school. So what was your experience like moving to the West Coast and going to USC? That was great. Um, that was uh, definitely a gift. I'm, I'm really grateful. I think there was two things that were happening in my mind. One was if I still wanted to pursue acting and singing and modeling and entertainment, I could at least be in LA going to a university and doing that on the side. So I would have the opportunity to balance both my creative side and my analytical side of my brain at the same time and feel like if I didn't have a certainty that I'd have a career and I'd make it in the entertainment world. I'd have something to fall back on that would make me feel more comfortable in, in my skin going forward. So that was, that was the, the catalyst and the motivation to, to get out to California and go to college. And I loved it. I feel like um, I, I got to have like one of those amazing experiences where you go to a university where the education's amazing. I was in the Annenberg School, which I'm now super proud to say that I'm sitting on the board of counselors at the Annenberg School at USC. Amazing. Which, um, I'm excited about. And I got to go to like football games and I had a football player boyfriend like my first semester and join a sorority and, um, and then focus on my brain and there was, it was great. It was, it was a really good time in my life. That's so great to hear that you eventually had a more traditional college experience because going to New York at such a young age and immediately working is just an entirely different experience. So when you were in USC, you were in their communication and journalism school and you eventually became a fit model. Can you walk us through the motivation on, you know, how you went from studying communications in school to becoming a fit model? Yeah, so there were uh, a few different um, circumstances that that shifted. So I graduated from USC thinking that one of my goals might be to become a talk show host. Like I thought, oh, how much fun would that be? I'd love to do the morning show or the entertainment segments and, and have an amazing talk show experience and have fun. But I, I knew that there was going to be a journey that I had to take to get there, and it would take a while. Um, so that was like one mindset, but then since I was only 20 years old, I got pulled back into the entertainment world and I thought, well, maybe I'll work on auditioning and that's how I can pay the bills if I'm out there singing and acting and modeling again. And maybe that's what I'll do for a while. But when did it, what ended up happening, I have to kind of fast track it 
is going back into the entertainment world, then getting sucked into a lot more difficult Me Too experiences that were very unsettling and unnerving. Um, literally um, spiraled me out to hit my bottom with an eating disorder. And I had to go away to get treatment and get help for the eating disorder because of what had happened for all these years in the entertainment world. So then spiraling kind of out of control and getting to, uh, into a more serious stage of anorexia, it was mentioned to me by my therapists and counselors when I went away for treatment that it would be in my best interest to not be in front of the camera until I could really get healthy and it might not ever be a place where I should venture back to. And that was scary because I was like, wow. Um, you know, part of it was the business part of what was happening in the Me Too world. But then the other part of it was you're expected to be thinner to be in front of the camera because the camera adds weight. And those things all combined were just a perfect storm for me to, to spiral to bottom. So when I was told that I, I couldn't be in front of the camera, I should pick a new career, um, that, was, that was scary because even broadcast journalism, I was gonna have to be in front of the camera. So I, um, I ended up meeting this amazing woman who supported herself through law school, who was uh, someone who I just admired and respected, and she was gorgeous inside and out. And she started a modeling agency for fit models. And I didn't really know exactly what a fit model was, but she said, well, based on healthy measurements, based on being a healthy size, not too thin, not too skinny for for runway or for photography modeling. You can work in the fashion industry and try on clothes and um, see if you, if you like this world of trying on clothes and, and talking about the clothing and the fit with the pattern makers and, and, and try a new opportunity that can maybe be healthier for you because you'll only get paid if you stay at a healthy weight. Hmm. And um, that, and she's like, you can keep yourself in check. And, and she goes, it pays really, really well. So that was kind of my introduction into fashion 101, if you will. Um, it was the, the, it was wild because it wasn't that glamorous, but I, I got to go around and meet tons of different designers and clothing companies that were in LA. And because I love fashion so much and clothes so much, and that was always my intrigue into being a model was the whole fashion industry in general, being mesmerized by it. And, and like, I would always get best dressed in school and stuff like that because I was yeah. like so obsessed with it. <laughs> so that gave me the opportunity to start this whole new career. And I fell madly in love with design. And I would get to work on a daily basis. I, got, I booked a lot of jobs and became known as one of the, well, one of the top fit models in the industry. And I started working for clothing companies that were everything from denim to gowns to workout wear to swimwear. And I get to watch everything be created from the ground up, try on clothes, talk about how I felt things could look different or better or um, more amazing on a body. And because of my disease of anorexia and body dysmorphia, I think I can even see how things could even be improved more because of my OCD and obsession. So I felt I fell in love with fashion and design and I learned so much. Wow, I'm sure it was not easy to hear that the dreams that you had for yourself to, you know, be in entertainment and in front of the camera were no longer the best path for you. And, you know, at the time, all your dreams were basically shattered and how from such a difficult situation, so much opportunity came. And who would have ever thought that being a fit model would have opened all these doors for you in the future? But at that time, when people were fit models, they weren't necessarily critiquing and giving feedback on how clothes should be laying on your body and how they should be fitted. What made you feel comfortable to really voice your opinion, especially being in a new industry that you weren't too familiar with? <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, I, I feel like I was so passionate about it 
that I was compelled to give my opinion. It's almost like one of those things that like, like a little child who's so excited about something, he can't control himself. It's like, I felt like I had to express myself because I'm the customer. So like if you're designing with, if the designers are creating these things and me as the consumer is putting it on going, I really ultimately don't feel comfortable on this. And the reason why I don't feel comfortable on this is because of this, this, and this. And if you move the pockets here and you put the seams here, look how cuter my butt looks and look how much like, like thinner my hips look. And like, I'm obsessed that way. And all these, um, most of the designers in, well, all the designers in the denim world that I work with were, were men. And I don't think they were thinking along the same lines as I was as the customer who's trying the jeans on thinking about why I would buy something or not buy something. So I felt compelled. Um, some people appreciated my two cents. And uh, I would have to say some designers were kind of like, we'd prefer you not to really speak too much to what your opinion is and keep it to yourself, but thank you very much. Um, but I think that's what ultimately um, made me a fit expert and become more of a fit, fit technician and an expert hired to come in and help companies that were struggling that they might have had good designs, but they were struggling with making the brand successful because when it was hitting the stores, they, it wasn't selling because it didn't fit. So then I'd get kind of called in as the fit doctor. Hey, Paige, come in. Can you help us make these clothes fit better? And um, then my voice was very much appreciated. Wow, it's so beautiful to hear that you developed this passion for being essentially a fit doctor for all these amazing brands at the time in LA. And I'm sure that's something you never really expected for yourself. So at that point in your life, you were doing well, you were very well known in the industry on the fit side of things. What really propels you to make that leap and start your own premium denim brand? Because even as you mentioned at the time, most of the designers and premium denim founders were predominantly male. Well, this is definitely where lemons turn into lemonade. And that's something that I've said for like the last 15 years, um, lemons turning into lemonade. And a, a lot of my story really is that I get a little choked up thinking about it. It's because of the, difficult times that I've had to go through that I found the silver lining that's led me to the next place. And um, I was actually on a fit modeling job with a company that I was under contract with making a great, I was making a great living at that time and um, loving what I was doing and, and having this contract job was something really special to me at this one particular company. And uh, I, I actually was attacked by my boss in the workplace. Um, I had to go into his office privately for something and then make a long story short, I was attacked in the workplace and fighting to get out. And I got out and I had a full on meltdown because I had been a victim of rape at the age of 16 and had never talked to anybody about being a victim of rape at 16. I was scared. It was a secret. I'd held it inside for all these years. And then when I was attacked in the workplace and almost sexually assaulted, well, I was sexually assaulted, almost raped again, I um, had to go get help because I had a PTSD trauma from everything that had happened to me before and literally went to the rape treatment center to get help and had to start my journey of healing that trauma from a young girl at 16 through all of the Me Too experiences to getting attacked on this particular job at this company and figure out how to heal from all this trauma. So another journey on healing from this trauma um, came me learning to really find my voice and I wanted to make a decision then and there to find my own power and find my own passion and purpose in life and how could I be a little bit more in control of my own destiny and not always be dependent on other people or men during 
my experiences with my own career up to that point. And um, another part of this is that when I was a freshman at school at USC, my family went bankrupt and lost everything. And wow. so in order for me to stay at USC, I had to get an academic scholarship to stay at school and stay in school. And my dad went through a really dark depression during that time and spiraled out, not spiraled out, but he was very depressed. And uh, all he talked about was money all the time. And so I think the catalyst was getting attacked, finding help, going to therapy, which I'd never been to therapy before, starting to find my voice and realizing what things are important to me. And the things that became really important to my heart and soul were I want to be able to make my own money and not depend on a man. And I want to feel empowered to find my passion and purpose. I love clothes. I love empowering other women and making other people feel good. I like empowering other men as well. And I felt like I wanted to create a safe environment with whatever my next career looked like. And I went to this life coach and we started talking and she's like, wow, what if you start your own clothing brand? What if you were to start your own label? She's like, you would be able to have your own voice, use your creativity, everything that you love, have a purpose and empower others and make beautiful things that help other people feel good about themselves. And the aha moment like hit, like, like literally, like I got chills. My body at first was like, I can't do that. I didn't go to fashion school or I can't do that. I didn't go to business school. And I guess probably because of so much that I've been through in my life, I decided I'm not going to look at this with like, I can't do that. I'm going to be like, this is something that if I don't do this, I'm going to regret it the rest of my life. So I have to try this. I have to start my own clothing company. That's such a powerful story. And you just have so much resilience from going through so much adversity. And it's just beautiful to hear that, you know, going to therapy really helped you and you were starting to find your voice and your power and your passion. So to what you mentioned, you found the silver lining going through such difficult times. And that was really the beginnings of you launching Paige. So from when you met your life coach to officially launching Paige, it was a pretty quick timeline from idea to launch, which is so impressive. Can you take us through the journey of how you launched Paige and that first trade show that you went to in New York, which was a massive success for your company? <laughs> I swear it was like some kind of, I'm not a, a religious person, but I'm very much a spiritual person. And I swear there was some divine intervention and guidance happening in my life that just propelled me to move fast because I was so excited about the, the, the opportunity and the decision that I made. So it was May 2004 when I talked to the life coach. In June, I decided to call up all the companies that I was still modeling for, fit modeling for. And I even had a commercial agency that I was like, um, with elite that I was still dancing around going back out on commercial auditions and stuff. I called everybody up I felt like I was gonna throw up all day long. I couldn't get out of bed because I was petrified But called everybody up and said I'm retiring and I'm going to start uh, something different and July 1st 2004 was when the company was born and then somehow between July 1st 2004 and September I can't remember the exact date Coterie started, but it probably was like around September 21st or something. I got together the entire, I built a team, decided what labels, the name, the mantra, the mission statements, um, uh, was able to get, uh, figure out a way to um, incubate the company inside of another company so that I could afford to, um, to, to start it, and then get a showroom to represent the line, and get the line produced and, and together for samples and get to the show by September and, 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 and even get some PR like buzz around the brand before I made it to the show trade show in September 2004, which is insane. It's, I literally like can't believe that. That is insane to really have built the team, the mission, produced your first set of samples, created PR buzz, and you know do all of that from july to september that's pretty impressive and incredible 
And what I love about your story also is that, you know, you were so passionate and fired up about the idea, but you were still nervous and sick to your stomach from starting the company, but that never really stopped you from pursuing it. So I think that's just helpful to hear because, you know, so many of us sometimes get very nervous about jumping into the unknown or creating a company and, you know, really leaning into that fear is great. And it just shows how you overcame that in your own journey. So going back to this trade show, you created Buzz for yourself and it was a huge success for the early days of your company. You know, what was that experience like for you? Yeah, it was crazy. I think that the little bit of PR buzz we got right before the trade show, um, there was an article in W Magazine and um, I think there was, yeah, I think it was just a little blurb in W Magazine that said the most sought after fit model in the world I think they used, and, um, <laughs> which makes me laugh. Uh, the most sought out female in the world is starting her own denim brand and like go see her at, you know, whatever brothers and sisters showroom in New York. And so the brothers and sisters had the trade show booths at the trade show. And that, that was the showroom that represented the line. And literally it was like, there was a line around, around the, 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 the hall coming into the booth to come look at what new denim brand was going to be launched from me. And it was crazy. Like I couldn't believe that that much buzz could get that much attention. And also the showroom did their due diligence by like calling up a lot of the accounts that, that they knew and said, you got to come check out this line. And so literally we had like kind of stadium seating and I was giving presentations and talking about the collection and we wrote more orders at that trade show than I had projected on that we would write the entire year. It was crazy. And people were leaving orders and they were trusting the fact that these jeans were going to fit and look amazing. And uh, it was mind blowing and so exciting. And I think that's probably another reason why it's like I, I barely, I've been on a trajectory with the company. I think that's made it like happens it happened so fast out of the gate yeah. that I really didn't have time to sit around and think of the fact that I couldn't do it. it I think I could only focus on, I know I can, I know I can, I know I can. Put my best foot forward every day and make it happen. That's incredible to just get so much demand right out the gate and the company is doing incredibly well. But on the other side of things, you know, as an entrepreneur, you only raise a certain amount of capital to get you to a certain point. And I don't think you expected your company to really take off as quickly as it did. How did you manage the demand at the time? I think that um, <laughs> feel, I feel again, like, I mean, obviously there's a, a, a scientific mathematical, I think because I've always been an analytical person and a creative person, I felt that there was a way to kind of analyze and then start to project of what we felt like we did orders in in that first trade show, what it was going to look like the rest of the year if we stayed on that track. And it, it was nice to get help from the showroom who they had obviously had experience. They had actually had the brand James jeans right before they took us on and James jeans went corporate and left the showroom. So I could, I could pull a lot of advice from what their past experience was having a denim brand and what the needs were going to be. And then tap into the dream team that I put together at page, which were pattern makers that I'd worked with before and, and um, you know, uh, fabric suppliers that I'd worked with before when I was fit modeling and pull in from their expertise. And then luckily, you know, I um, have a husband who was in the private label business and had done uh, work with Walmart and Kmart and companies like that in the past. And then his partner as well. So I was able to lean into other people that had more experience than me, maybe in different categories and use uh, take the best of the best input and then again, channel it within myself and then trust my intuition and instincts and then take the next step going forward. I mm -hmm. hope that answers your question, but it is asking a lot of questions, taking in what everybody else has knowledge in and, uh, and then using your gut and saying, okay, we got this, we can do this. 
for sure. And I think so many people just question how you might have got this company off the ground, especially as a first time entrepreneur and someone who doesn't necessarily have experience in business. But it just shows you surrounded yourself with a really strong team and you leaned into other people in aspects that you didn't necessarily know. And you asked a bunch of questions. So I think that's just good advice for anyone who is starting a company who might be intimidated by things they don't know. And you can always really just reach out, ask people for advice, and then, you know, channel that within yourself to really think through what would be the next best step for your business. So I really just love hearing you walk through your own journey. I was just going to say, because of the experience I'd had too, for how many years I'd been in the industry with modeling and with fit modeling, all the people that I knew had had a lot of experience before me. So pulling those people in and, and leaning on each other, um, was definitely, it's like, you know, definitely surround yourself with people who know more about other things than you know, so you can focus on the things that you think you're best at and do what you feel you're best at. That's so true. So you started Paige with the intention of creating premium denim, but you always had aspirations to do even something bigger and create a full lifestyle brand for both men and women, which that's not really common in the industry. It's very rare to see companies successfully transition from solely denim to a broader lifestyle brand, but you've absolutely done that very successfully. But at the time when you were thinking through this, you mentioned a lot of people thought you were crazy and you couldn't really pull off the transition, especially with Paige being a woman's name and that wouldn't really translate for men. So how did you overcome people's opinion at the time? I think that one of my strongest motivators is when someone tells me I can't do something, it makes me crazy. And it must have come from something when I was younger um, with my upbringing, maybe when my parents told me I couldn't do something or like I heard friends say, you're never, how are you ever going to get to New York and model? Or, you know, I didn't really know many kids that went away to college actually from Alaska where I'm from. It's like, it was such a small town. I think I always have tried to do my, wait, I'm going to backtrack this. My dad always told me, why do you want to be like everyone else? when I would beg, that's, this is what it is. I would beg to like, oh, I really, really want to get my ears pierced or I really want to go do this. And everybody gets to do that. Why can't I? And my dad would tell me, why do you want to be like everyone else? So I think the beginning stages of hearing, why do you want to be like everyone else planted the seed that I should always try to think out of the box or try to do and achieve something that other people say I can't do. It makes me fired with motivation Mm-hmm. And, um, it, 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 like, it, it's, it's definitely the springboard. So I feel that I couldn't, I couldn't hear the word no, like it's not going to work. And I feel that being persistent and developing really, really, really good relationships with the retailers around the world that we've done business with and proving not only could we be more than just a denim brand for women, but then suggesting that, why don't you just try this product for men? I know you think that maybe we can't do it because you think we're a woman's brand, but there might be a lot of people out there that really don't know that the name Paige is a woman's name. It could be like Jimmy Page, like the last name. And why don't we just put this product out there, even if you're taking it on consignment, and just see if it performs because we have a good following with women And a lot of women do buy clothes for their husbands or their boyfriends and just give it a shot. And I feel that the product spoke for itself, the quality, the fit, all of the things that are the foundation of the brand and and things that matter to me. And then having another good team that is so passionate about selling the men's product that Mm. also didn't want to take no for an answer that were pretty good at like even sending little gifts to people, like buyers saying, why if it was a male buyer, why don't you just try these on and wear them for a little while and see if you like them. And if you like them, come back to me and uh, let's talk about business. And that little bit of gifting was what part of our marketing budget was. And it would win them over. They'd try them on and be like, oh my God, I never want to take these off. These are so comfortable. 
And then um, our men's uh, line just started to, to, I really do amazingly well. Right now it's like number one in so many different retailers around the world. So it's exciting. <laughs> it is. It's actually funny. I saw my dad the other day and I was like, dad, you look great. I love your clothes. Like he looked just so hip and my sister had taken him shopping and he's like, yeah, it's Paige. So you guys are definitely doing a great job. I was thoroughly impressed and he was just saying how comfortable the jeans were. So I love to see that you guys are doing what you do so well in women's clothing with men. So I'd love to transition and get your thoughts on generally entrepreneurship. You know, as you know, there's so many ups and downs. There's so many beautiful days. There's so many difficult days. How do you deal with that in your own life? I feel like a lot of the things that I learned when I had to go away to deal with trauma and a lot of the things that I had to learn when I went to go deal with my anorexia are qualities that have kept me sound and stable. Um, It's really important to have that balance of body, mind, and spirit. And when I feel unsteady, the things that I know how to go back to are the things that helped get me healthy today. So it's getting out in nature taking meditative walks, trying to sort things out in my mind and come into clarity, Um, meditating, journaling, um, asking for help, not doing it alone. Like that's like one of the biggest things because sometimes I feel like I have to know everything and then Mm -hmm. I'm like, how can I know everything? I don't know this. I've never done this before. And I need to ask for help because I can't do this alone. So all those things, I'm getting out and exercising. Exercise is key for me um, because when I'm doing those things, the, the, the obstacles or the, the self-sabotaging uh, um, thoughts mm-hmm. get melted away, and then I can get back into a better pace, place of clarity and peace and, and continue moving forward. But I really have to take a step back at times um, to, 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 get, to remember those tools that are in my toolbox that keep me solid and focused. That's so helpful. And in another interview that you did, you talked about how important it is to stay somewhat childlike and be playful. And especially, you know, when you're running a business, at least from my perspective, sometimes you can be so heads down in the day to day and in the ops that you forget to take a step back and, you know, really have fun. So how do you incorporate playfulness and fun in your own life, especially as someone who's managing a large global company with 300 employees? Well, I just feel like fashion's fun. It shouldn't be so serious. It's like, um, but I know business is serious and I'm, I have a team of over 300 team members and, um, you know, there's a lot of, of, of balls that are flying on any given day. But I feel like I really try to defy what, um, what my age is because I don't feel my age. I feel a lot younger inside. So I think the youthful energy comes a lot with getting out and playing with my animals. I have a horse and a donkey and like, I love to get out and visit them in the morning and just joke around and play with them and feed them carrots and apples and play with the dogs and play with the pups. And like, I feel like some of that is just, uh, the spirit that, I mean, that is a tip. It's like, I love animals so much. And they're so unconditionally giving and loving that when you see that and you see how much, how they get the zoomies and they're like excited and they're like having fun and they don't have any, any worries or concerns other than treats and love. And like thinking that in my mind, like I want to be like my dogs, like it's probably, or my horse or my donkey. It's yeah. probably one of my best tips because I'm like, oh my God. Okay. I just want to have fun and play all day like them. And, and then I, I keep it light. The other tip I will say is music. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a huge fan of music. And I feel like anytime I'm uh, in a place that I need to shift my, my mindset, uh, just changing out my playlist or songs or like stopping myself throughout the day and walking outside, putting on my, my headset with my music and even singing to myself in the car. <laughs> I love Helps it. Get me out of, yeah. I mean, those are some tips too. It's like nothing more fun than dancing and singing for a little while to get yourself out of it. 
like. So music and animals. Yes, I love that. Thinking about another thing that does keep me uh, like youthfully minded is surrounding myself with a lot of younger people. I love mentoring and I love having interns and I love being around their young energy because they see things so much differently than we do um, generationally. So yeah. keeping around like that, that, that youthful energy and that excitement keeps me young at heart too. That's so helpful to hear. And I would love to get your perspective on any key lessons or words of wisdom that you would share with our listeners today who are looking to take a big jump, whether that's switching their career or starting a business. I think that one of my key takeaways is I really have to Pollyanna-ishly say you have to go for it because there's nothing worse than having a regret of something that you wish you would have done that you never believed in yourself enough to do. And I feel like, what have you got to lose? Really? Like, really? I, I just feel like the, in for my own personality and the way that I think, I would have, I would have more regrets in my life if I would have never tried this. And so, I mean, it's like that amazing book, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. It's every, there's so many things in life that are scary. Relationships are scary. Like when you're young and you're like in first grade and you want to walk up to someone and ask, will you be my friend? That's scary. Like there's so many things that we go through life in that, that are scary and we just have to power through them anyway. So that's one of my main um, takeaways is, is just do it because you don't want to have regrets. The second is, um, really trust that inner knowing that you have inside with intuition. Um, all of us have it and it's just getting quiet enough to tap into that like inner knowing because I feel like that is a, a, a voice of your higher self talking to you. And a lot of times you can ask a lot of people a lot of questions. You can hear a lot of things. You can get a lot of, of opinions and all of that. But when you take all of that back into consideration and put it back into what you know to be true and best for yourself, you'll always find the answer. The answer is always within. Mm -hmm. So that's another, that's another tool that I would say that I would want to pass on to women um, wanting to start their own businesses. And third, I would say, don't ever be afraid, though, of asking for help. Really, don't be afraid. You're not expected to know everything. Like I said before, you're not expected to know everything. So the more questions you ask, the more like people that you've admired along the way that you can reach out to. You, that might even be something scary to do, too. But if there's a company or a business that you're attracted to and you feel like reaching out to the person to get some advice from them, don't be afraid to do that because... I didn't have that in my life. And like you were telling me earlier, you really didn't have a lot of that, like strong women mentorship in your life growing mm -hmm. up. And so I think there's a lot of women that are like me that want to give back. So they're more than willing to share what they know and help if they can in any way and make introductions in any way that they can because of that fact. I think women are becoming so much more spirited with helping other women which is very different than what it might have been like when we were children where you think women aren't going to like you and they're not going to be your friends in this new female empowering energy um, of the of the world right now people want to help and if they've got the time they will mentor you so i would say that go out ask ask it can't hurt i'm so glad you mentioned that because i think sometimes we are expected to know all the answers. And especially if you're doing something new or going outside your comfort zone, you can get hard on yourself. And I think just having that expectation and knowing that it's okay to ask other people uh, to help you on your journey is just so key. And I think we can all do a better job doing that. I mean, even with this podcast, never would I have thought to even start a podcast, but one conversation led to another, one mentor led to another. And you know, it came alive. So going back to your point, what do you have to lose? It's always worth asking for help. 
So I want to shift gears to our last question. And we always love to ask our guests, wealth means so much more than money and everybody has their own definition of wealth. What does wealth mean to you? So crazy. Like wealth is not what, wealth in the way that people think about wealth is not what motivates me. Like just making money doesn't motivate me. Like wealth is the beauty of gaining wisdom and insight into into life and what life's meaning is and wealth is like having amazing family and friends in your life and wealth is having the opportunity to explore dreams and make dreams become reality which don't have to be financial it's like i feel like i have so much wealth in in my life right now because i have like beautiful friends that i've been friends with since i was in elementary school they're still my best friends to this day i have an amazing family a support system within my family with my husband and my stepdaughter and my stepson um i mean i i feel like i have so many gifts and i'm just so grateful for that and another thing right now that i think in wealth that i think about is the fact that that i'm healthy like like especially with what we're going through with this coronavirus like like I have wealth and knowing that that I'm okay, I'm healthy and I'm just surrounded by a lot of love. Thank you, Paige. That's so beautiful. And we're so happy you're able to join us today. And thank you for taking the time to share your story and inspire so many women that are listening. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to get to spend this time with you. And I wish you all the luck going forward. And I hope this podcast that you're doing helps a lot of women and um, other entrepreneurial spirits along the way. So thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Behind Her Empire. If you enjoyed this conversation, it would mean the world to me if you would consider leaving a review or sharing this episode with someone who might be inspired to create their own empire. To stay updated on new episodes or join our private community, go to BehindHerEmpire.com to sign up. I'll see you next week. And until then, remember, you're always in charge of your own destiny and it's never too late to start your own empire.